Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shift podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So I question something sometimes when I'm listening to like the radio or a podcast or just people talking in general. I wonder, how come some of the things that people are talking about or say are just kind of believed or known as quote unquote common sense um, when some of the things I hear are absolutely not true. You know, I've, I've said this before, but part of the reason I do the podcast is to break the myths out there about food, about weight, about health, um, and to bring awareness about the toxic diet culture we're living in. And it's just perplexing to me about how many people just blindly believe things like, you know, health and weight, you know, they mean something together. Like, you know, you can look at somebody and tell if they're physically well or healthy or not, um, or that the BMI is still in existence. So I wanted to bring on somebody today that's going to really hash out some of these (laughs) myths and I guess things that people commonly believe about food and health and weight. Um, because I think it's important. I think it's important for us to really bring to the forefront what some of those beliefs are, what some of those things that are, like I said, quote unquote, common sense um, are, because if we don't challenge those things, then nothing's going to change. Um, and it's especially timely, right? It's still relatively into the new year. And I still think that there are people that are feeling like, oh, you know, new year, new me, and, and you know, feeling some kind of pressure to uh, on themselves to maybe start a diet. And I still always wonder that too. Like why, if we know that diets don't work, why do people still go on diets? Why are they still a thing? Um, and so I'm really excited to have our guest on today um, because if any of you are out there and you're still confused about if diets quote unquote work or not, or if you're wondering if you should go on the next diet, um, I really want to talk about why they don't work and why the weight you lose keeps coming back. Um, and again, some other things that are, like I said, I commonly hear um, people saying about food, weight, and health. So um, Andy Grange, she has been a registered dietitian for 11 years. And after struggling with an eating disorder in college and overcoming it, she now helps other women heal their relationship with food and their body through her healthy habits coaching program. And as you know, when she's not doing that, um, she loves anything outdoors, riding her horses and baking. She's a wonderful person. She's great at what she does. And I'm excited to bring her on. Well, Andy, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So I know I gave a little bit of information about you in the intro, but I always like to hear from guests themselves, like, how did you get to this place in your life and your career? Like what happened all before now? 
Yeah, such a good question. So I actually struggled with some registered dietitian. I have been for about 11 years now and actually struggled with an eating disorder throughout college and for several years after um, and just really thought that, you know, like so many other dietitians that I know go into dietetics thinking that they'll figure out the perfect way to be healthy or the perfect diet. And that was kind of my experience. I thought, you know, I'm already obsessed with food. I'll just study it. Um, but through my dietetics program, and then also luckily through working with a dietitian and a therapist myself, I was able to overcome my eating disorder and all my years of disordered eating and worked as a clinical dietitian for quite a few years. But I've always had this desire to share kind of my journey and what I learned in healing my relationship with food with other people. And so started my own business doing that. And I've been doing that for several years now. And I just work with women, helping them learn how to heal their own disordered relationships with food and their body and how to get to a good, healthy place without dieting. Thanks for sharing that. And I hear that a lot too. Like people that go into nutrition, that's what they're they're trying to figure out, right? It's so common. Yeah, we're like drawn to it because we already have this like obsession with food. So we figure why not study it and then hopefully we learn a healthy way to actually deal with that. But well, um, you know, I'm wondering too, like for you, do you feel like a lot of people who come to you are looking for that perfect way to eat or like for you to tell them like, here, do this. And then like you reach some goal you're looking for. Yeah, I definitely get a lot of people asking if I give like meal plans or macro, you know, goals and things like that. And usually I'll just explain what my approach actually is with intuitive eating and why dieting, meal plans, macros don't actually work long term. Um, I used to give people macro goals years and years ago, and I used to, you know, try to give people meal plans. But I found for myself and for my clients that it just doesn't work long term. So I kind of explain why I take the approach that I do of helping them create a healthy lifestyle that's actually going to be sustainable and not something that they have to stick to strictly every day because that's not really realistic for anyone. I'm imagining myself back in my eating disorder days coming to you and saying like, uh -huh. wait a minute, like, no, tell me, tell me, I was looking for the holy grail of diets, right? Like that nothing is. was working. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think I thought about health, to be honest with you. I was just like, the goal was looking a certain way, losing the yeah. weight. And I'm wondering, do people come to you with the idea of like their health or is it just really the weight loss goal? Because I know we're kind of in this weird space right now with like the messages, if you lose weight, you're healthy or, you know, you're only healthy if you're in a smaller body, you know, like, especially with all these like weight loss medication, weight loss medications are for yeah. diabetes right? But it's like, okay, I'm going to just say this, but it seems like the whole only goal is losing weight without the thought of, is this actually doing anything healthy for the body or hurting the body, right? Yeah. And I see that a lot. I think a lot of people are very focused on weight loss in and of itself. I do have people that come to me saying like, I need to lose weight to be healthy or my doctor told me to lose weight. My BMI is, you know, in the overweight or the obese category. And, and so I think doing a lot of educating mm -hmm. about what that actually means. And I mean, we can dive into this as much as we want to, but basically, you know, so many studies have shown that actually being in the overweight category with BMI is healthier than being in the normal category. Um, quote, air quotes for that, because I hate BMI for so many reasons. But yeah, we so often associate weight loss and a smaller body with being healthier. And you really can't tell 
what somebody's health is just by looking at them. And actually, it's funny that you brought this up because I had a client just this week, a past client messaged me, and she was talking about applying for health insurance um, with her husband. And they had a nurse come out and do the home visit and everything. And she said, all of my labs were normal, like my blood sugar, my cholesterol, everything was normal, healthy. My BMI was the only thing that was considered quote unquote unhealthy. And she was like, I'm so glad I went through your program so that that didn't trigger me because I know even though my weight is quote unquote unhealthy, even though that's not true, all my labs were normal. And like, obviously that's what we care about, right? If your blood sugar is normal, if your cholesterol and your triglycerides and all of these things are normal, you're healthy. Like your weight alone does not determine your health. Yes. Anyone listening, please hear this, right? <laughs> <laughs> but still I'm with you. Like, why is that BMI still even on there? It's uh, like, what is, I, oh, how is that? Okay. Uh. Yeah, I wish we could get rid of it. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Should be destroyed. Anyway, that's beyond us, but (laughs) unfortunately. But I do, I do get that myself too. People coming to me and like, it's like they don't really care about making peace with their body image or feeling more confident. It's like, okay, I, I, I just want to lose weight, or I just want to be in a smaller body. Like, oh, I just want to like know how to eat so that I can, you know stop whatever and and eventually get into the size body I want and telling them like that's not the goal of therapy right like and I'm assuming that's not the goal of when they come to see you either Um, so when you're talking to them about like intuitive eating and not giving them a meal plan and all of that um, is there any frustration or pushback by people saying like well no my goal is I need to be in a smaller body or need to weigh less Yeah, definitely sometimes. And I think helping them understand that dieting is actually the biggest predictor of weight gain, right? Like we know that studies have shown that dieting is actually what causes weight gain in the end. It decreases your metabolism. It decreases your leptin levels, which is your fullness hormone. It, you know, makes your body go into this like conservation mode and does all these negative things. And we know that almost everybody that loses weight by dieting ends up gaining the weight back plus some. And so I think when people finally realize like, oh, if I go on a diet, yeah, I can lose weight. But for how long it's going to come back and probably more than I lost and helping them realize like, even if weight is your goal, which I think through working with me, people find that they actually start to care more about their health and their habits. Mm -hmm. But even essentially, or initially, if people's goal is weight loss, helping them see that diet, even that, even if that's your goal, dieting isn't going to help you get there long-term. It will short-term, but not long-term. And then helping them realize like the benefits that come with healing their relationship with food. Because once they start to talk to people, a lot of times they don't even have that problem awareness of, you know, realizing, well, I am thinking about food 24 seven. It would be awesome if I didn't have to be obsessed with food. I am weighing myself four times a day. And I say these things as somebody that used to do that, um, you know, and, and them realizing like my life doesn't actually have to look like that. It doesn't, that doesn't have to be my normal. Um, and when they finally realize like I can eat what I want without having to write everything down or put it in my phone, I don't have to constantly be weighing. Like sometimes they don't even realize that that's like an option, which is crazy, you know? I'm wondering that too, like, do people realize that they're doing that and it's not what everyone else is doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think so often we don't realize that or we are ashamed, right? I have people that tell me, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. Like I was talking to somebody the other day and telling her, yeah, I used to weigh three or four times a day, sometimes more, you know? And she was like, really? I'm not the only one that does that. And so I think like shame keeps us from 
saying those things because we're embarrassed, but really like you're not alone. Other people are doing that. It doesn't make it like normal or okay, but it, it makes it common. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, if someone were to ask you, cause you kind of went into like the whys of why dieting doesn't work. Like if you get into more specifics, people might've like been like, wait, what, why doesn't dieting work? Cause I know right now it's like still, we're relatively into the start of the new year where I'm sure there's still those like new year, new, whatever ads yeah. going on. Um, and so people might still be feeling like the pressure to, or the desire to start a program or do something. Um, what would you say to them like specifically about why dieting doesn't work? Like, like derail them from going down that path. Yeah. So usually how I explain it, I do tell them about the research because I'm like, you know, a research evidence based person. I like to know that there's actual research and facts behind what I'm sharing. Um, so, I'll, you know, tell them about that. And and to get more specific, UCLA did a meta analysis of 31 different studies and found that, like I said earlier, dieting is the biggest predictor of future weight gain. And so, um, you know, talking about what dieting does to our bodies when we're not eating enough, when we cut our calories, cut our carbs, we're cutting out food groups, it actually does decrease our metabolism because our bodies are meant to keep us alive, right? That's a good thing. And so when they're not, when they notice a, a significant decrease in calories and carbs, their our body's initial reaction is to start conserving, right? So we decrease our metabolism, it messes up our hormones, we start to increase our um, ghrelin levels, which makes us feel hungrier, which is why we're so hungry on diets. It's not our lack of willpower. It's our body and our hormones literally telling us we need to eat decreases our leptin levels, which is the hormone that tells our body that we're full. So we're not getting as much of that. And it sets us up for binging, right? Because going into the whole restriction binge cycle, our mindset, when we are restricting things, it makes us want them more. And so then we usually end up restricting and then we binge and then we restrict and then we binge, which is way worse than just eating, you know, normally without restricting because then we're not binging. And so really at the end of the day, and how many people do you know, right? I talk to people every day on social media who tell me, you know, I lost weight on this diet, but I gained it back. I lost weight on, and I've heard every diet that this has happened with keto, Weight Watchers, new, you know, you name it macros. I lost the weight, but I regained it. And that wouldn't be a problem if it weren't a fact that diets are set up to fail, um, because it literally sets our mind up to binge. It sets our body up to regain that weight. So we know from, like I said, endless studies and personal experience and all the people that I talk to that when we diet, we lose the weight. I always say diets work until they don't, they work initially, you lose that weight, but then your body and your mind and everything catches up and you end up regaining it. Plus, like I said, plus some usually. I love that you said that, that, it works quote unquote right because I yeah. hear that all the time like oh well the doc the only thing that works is if I do this right so what's what you know when I'm not being so strict and I'm not counting things and I'm not watching what I'm eating and da, 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 then you know it's not working so I have to go back to what works mm -hmm. like do you hear this oh yeah and I'm like okay but if it's not a lifestyle if it's not something you can do every day for the rest of your life then it's not working right like if it's only working when you're doing it it's not actually working if you if you want it to be something that's sustainable because if you're not if you're falling off that diet wagon like I talk to people who are like oh keto works when I do it but then I miss bread. Well, yeah, if you can't stick to carbs, I love bread too, or to limiting carbs. I love bread too. It's not working. Like you can't stick with a diet 
that you can't do every day. My diet, quote unquote, I can do every day for the rest of my life because it's not restrictive. I'm just eating healthy foods. I'm eating the treats that I want. I have a lot of balance and nutrition, but it's something that's very sustainable and realistic. So, yeah, I heard what you said and, um, you know, I hear, I can't have these foods in the house. I don't trust myself around them. No, you don't understand. Like if they're in the house, I'm going to eat them all or they're quote unquote bad foods or, you know, people have this idea about certain foods. Like if I eat them, like all bets are off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that all the time. And it's funny because, you know, talking to the women that I work with who say the same thing, um, once they've actually learned how to eat intuitively and how to make peace with food. And by that, I mean, you know, not labeling foods as good and bad, not feeling guilty about eating certain foods, not restricting certain foods. They find that all of a sudden their cravings for those foods are going down They're Like I literally have messages in my DMS every day saying like, I ate two or I bought two cookies, two big cookies yesterday. I haven't even eaten them. What the heck? Like normally I would have binged them as soon as I got home or, you know, I've had a pint of ice cream in my freezer for two weeks and I haven't even touched it. I keep forgetting it's there. Um, whereas before, you know, if you're, and I, I use the example of, I had a client who loved Oreos. Like that was her food that she was like, I can't have it in the house. I'll binge it. Like I'll eat the whole package. And we were talking and I was like, okay, well think about it like this. Like if you could have a hundred packages of Oreos every single day for the rest of your life. And it wouldn't affect your weight. It wouldn't affect your health, anything. Would you still want them? Maybe for like a day or two, you'd go like crazy, right? You'd just be binging all the Oreos, but how quickly would you get sick of those and be like, I don't even want an Oreo. Like it doesn't even sound good. And that's an extreme example, but that's literally what happens when like, I have more treats and more food in my house that I used to never allow than ever before. And I have less desire to eat it than ever because I know it's there. I know I can have it whenever I want. And so that desire for it goes down because I'm like, mm, it doesn't really sound good right now. Maybe I'll have it tomorrow because I know I can, you know, but if it's like, oh, I can't have it, then of course you're going to want it more. It's that like the forbidden free fruit is the sweetest is very true. We want what we can't have. I was kind of chuckling because I was the Oreo person and yeah. <laughs> yes. and I'll share this with my patients and they kind of look at me sideways. Like they don't believe me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm, if anybody's listening, like there's two of us here saying the same thing. Like yes. the, if you have these foods in abundance around all the time, yes, it's scary. And there's that fear and belief like, oh gosh, you know, I can't have them in the house, but yes, it's, that is absolutely true. And I hear it time and time again, too. People are shocked that they have these foods that they once believed they couldn't trust themselves around. And they even forget they're like in their pantry in their freezer and they're anything. Um, so I know there's probably people listening going, yeah, right. But it's true. It's so true. And it's funny because like when I used to, so I used to let myself only have treats on the weekend, like Sunday night, I would eat everything. Cause I knew on Monday I had to start over, right? Like I would make cookies and I would be eating like spoonfuls of, um, what is that like cookie butter or biscoff, whatever, like I would just be eating so much. And it's funny now that I find myself a lot of times on Sunday night being like, oh, I should make cookies because it's such like a normal reaction. And then I literally find myself being like, eh, that doesn't really sound good. Like I literally don't want cookies, which if you had told me that years ago, I'd have been like, there's no way I would ever say no to cookies, but they literally don't sound good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I actually want like a bowl of cereal or I want, you know, whatever. So it really does work even for the people that think there's no way. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you also hear people kind of believe things that aren't true? Like, oh, if I eat carbs, I cannot 
keep my weight down or I, I, I look at them and like, I have a sugar addiction or, um, like, well, let's touch on two things. The belief that there is a sugar addiction, number one, and two, that if they eat carbs, they will automatically gain weight. Like carbs, they cannot eat them. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So the sugar addiction one I hear all the time, and I've actually done quite a bit of like content on social media around this because you're not addicted to sugar, right? No one is, it feels like you're addicted to it. So I totally understand that feeling of being addicted to sugar, but it really is that restriction that's making you feel addicted to it. Um, And people always bring up like the studies on rats and I'm like, okay, well, first of all, they're rats, they're not humans. And secondly, those studies, they deprived the rats of sugar before they gave them sugar. So it's literally proving our point, right? Like they were deprived of it and then they overate it and also they're rats. So either way you want to look at it, like the studies don't show that. Um, But also, yeah, I mean, I thought I was addicted to sugar or I even have people tell me like, I'm just addicted to food. But once they actually start doing this, they realize, oh, I'm actually not addicted to it. I just felt so out of control around it because I thought I couldn't have it and it was making me want it all the time. Mm -hmm. No, that's, thank you for sharing that. I, just I hear that all the time even though I've talked about it on here before and I just think sometimes we just need to repeat things over and over again or just Mm -hmm. because I hear it still all the time and it just baffles me it's like why is this information not more clear or why is it so prevalent that like these myths as I call them are still so loud and people still believe in them Mm -hmm. And I think like the diet industry pushing it, right? Because the diet industry, I can't remember the numbers now. I looked them up a while ago, but like how much money the diet industry makes every year, like they wouldn't make that money if people weren't constantly stuck in the cycle, right? So of course they want you to believe that you have to stick to their program forever and you can't eat this and you can't do that. But I always say if there was a diet that worked, like nobody would have a problem with their weight anymore because we would all have figured it out and done it by now, you know. But obviously, there's a reason that the diet industry is still in business and has been for so many years. And there are so many different diets. There are diets that tell you don't eat carbs. And then there are diets that tell you like eat only fruit, which is carbs, right? Like all the diets are saying completely opposite things. So it doesn't even make sense that they would be true. Yeah, it's mind boggling. It's very confusing. So I mean, we have professionals like you to kind of (laughs) through the noise and say, like, what is actually true? Um, Because I do think people just kind of read something, and they don't really challenge it. They just say, Oh, Mm -hmm. okay, I'll just stick to this, because maybe this influencer said that, or I've read it enough times or, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, tell us, can you tell us like why carbs are important though? Cause I think people are so afraid of them still. It's like baffling yes. to me, but like, why are, well, one, why are they afraid of them? And two, why do we need them? Yeah. I think people, when we think of carbs tend to think of like sugar and bread and pasta and things that they tend to overeat that they feel like make them gain weight, but really carbs are so, so important. And actually our bodies need at a minimum of 130 grams of carbs a day to function optimally. That's our brain's preferred source of fuel. So for our for our brains and bodies to function at their best, we need a minimum of 130 grams of carbs a day. And yet like keto recommends, you know, sometimes 20 to 50 grams a day, which is crazy. And so I'm like, well, no wonder you're feeling foggy. No wonder, you know, on a low carb diet, you're not able to think clearly you're getting headaches, you're fatigued because your body and brain are screaming for what it needs and you're not listening to it. 
And so, you know, carbs are and should be our main source of energy. They're fuel. They're good for us. Like they provide fiber, right? They provide all these benefits to us. They don't cause weight gain, but I think people are so afraid of them. And then again, they get stuck in this, like, I'm not going to eat any of them. And then they binge them. And then, yeah, if you're overeating and binging them regularly, that will cause weight gain. But if you were to actually just allow them like normal in your diet, and, you know, I eat pasta, I eat rice, I eat bread every single day. And I feel like I have a very healthy, balanced diet because I know the the benefits that are in those foods. I know the vitamins, the B vitamins, the minerals, the, you know, and that carbs are our fuel source, especially for people that are working out and, you know, trying to like do endurance exercise, like they especially need carbs, but even the normal person needs carbs to function optimally. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing that because I know, yes, I'm still sure there's people kind of shaking their head going, yeah, whatever. But maybe, maybe the more it says, maybe the more they're listen. I'm not sure, but yeah. I don't know this perpetuative like myth and I out think, there. I think what's hard too is like with social media now, you see people that lose weight and then they all descend and become an expert. Like there are so many people I see that have zero nutrition credentialing, zero nutrition education, but they lost weight. They lost you know, 50 pounds or a hundred pounds on Ozempic or by doing keto or whatever it was. And so all of a sudden now they are like the, you know, person everyone listens to. And I always just want to be like, just because it quote unquote worked for them for now does not mean it is the answer. And, you know, the other thing is we could all eat and exercise exactly the same way. We're all still going to look different because, our genetics and our environment and all of that plays into it so much. So just seeing somebody that lost weight and looks a certain way because they diet and exercise like this does not mean that you're going to look that way if you diet and exercise like that. That's very true. Um, But also, I mean, as we're talking, it just kind of rings to my mind. It's like we have a bigger problem here, right? Which is like (laughs) still so much emphasis put on just losing the weight and looking a certain way and still not having um, just acceptance of all different body sizes and shapes and appearances as like beautiful and like wonderful, right? It's still, you know, I mean, that's a way bigger issue, but I mean, that's sad too, is like people are feeling pushed and pressured to like diet and do all these things. You know, what if we could just embrace more body diversity and say, you know, all bodies are acceptable. That would be great. Yes. And that's something that we talk about a lot in my program. We have so much emphasis on body image and people realize that losing weight is not going to make them have a better body image. I think we always think like, if I lose weight, then I'll be happy. Then I'll love my body. That could not be further from the truth. I know when I was my lowest weight, I was my most unhappy. (laughs) Um, So, you know, realizing that like your confidence and your body image improves from creating healthy habits that make you feel good and, you know, learning to focus on your mental health as well. And yes, taking care of your physical health, but not in a weight loss way, just in a way of like getting regular exercise, eating lots of nutritious foods that like make you feel good. Right. Um, And so I think one of the best things I hear from women or that they learn is it wasn't about the weight loss that I needed for confidence. It was just learning 
to heal, heal my mindset, heal my relationship with food and my body. And like there, you know, I get messages of people being like, I bought the shorts that I used to never wear. And I'm like, loving just feeling good and confident, even if they didn't lose any weight, they're just now able to live their life feeling confident and healthy and happy. So how much of like when you work with people is just a lot of the education, the research, just kind of working on that part first before I guess the actual changing of what they're doing day to day? Yeah. So really the first thing that I dive into with my clients is breaking their food rules because so many of us have so many food rules, right? So maybe they have rules of like, I I shouldn't eat after seven o'clock or (laughs) I shouldn't eat more than one carb at a meal or treats only on the weekends or, you know, whatever. There's endless, endless food rules. So we kind of look at those and say, how can we start breaking that, breaking that mindset of restriction of food rules of thinking of foods as bad and good, because that's really the first step in being able to become an intuitive eater and to become a mindful eater and create healthy habits is first breaking that mindset of dieting and restriction. So that's really what we work on first is learning how to make peace with food and break all those food rules that we've gotten so used to living every single day that sometimes can be really hard to break it first. Well, it gets confusing too, right? Like, I'll go online sometimes and I'm like, oh, God, it's kind of <laughs> infuriating. But, you know, people will come to me and say, well, but this study and this book and this doctor and this expert said, cited all this research that said that, you know, this makes people live longer and this, you know, is healthy for you. It's the, the, and I'm going, how is that? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if people come to you. I heard that a lot with intermittent fasting. No, that makes you live longer. It's good for you. And I'm going, What? And I think the hard thing with nutrition research is you can find whatever you're looking for, right? Like it's really hard with nutrition to have like good studies, Um, not to say that there aren't good studies out there, but I think you can find whatever you're looking for. You can find studies that say red meat will cause cancer. And you can also find studies that say red meat is healthy. You can find studies that say carbs are terrible. And you can also find studies that say carbs are essential, right? Like that you have to really look at like the bigger picture. And that's why I think is all about balance. Because if you're going too extreme in any one direction, there's likely going to be negative benefit or negative effects from it in the end, right? Like, that's why I'm like, no, it's okay to eat all different foods. It's okay to get a little bit of everything. Because then you have balance. If you're extreme in any direction, I think you're always going to end up, you know, on the wrong side and always going to end up with some like negative effects from that. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, because that's that's the frustrating part for me is looking online and just seeing a bunch of junk, right? Um, and hardly anybody really seeks out the help of professionals first. Yes. And I think too, like people Google stuff and say, this is what I found, but are you actually looking at like legitimate studies? And are you understanding like how to interpret those studies? Because it's kind of hard to understand like research, you know? So I think sometimes we we tend to look at, you know, Dr. Google instead of looking at like legitimate research. And I just think that speaks to, you know, people really wanting something they're grasping for like control or to like, really like, what are the, what do you think they're really searching for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think just wanting to know like what the answer is, wanting to know how to be in control, wanting to know what they're missing or why they're failing. I think that's what I find is people are always blaming themselves. Like I don't have enough willpower. I'm addicted to food. I don't want it bad enough. I'm not working hard enough. Um, And we tend to blame ourselves and we're looking for like, what is the right answer when really the right answer is trusting ourselves 
but we're so afraid to do that because we feel like we don't know how we've been taught to not do that. That's absolutely true. I mean, can't get out at, away from society either, right? When you said right. failure, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm failing at something. Yes. Yeah. And and people come to me all the time and they're like, I just keep falling off the wagon. I don't know what my problem is. I can't stick with this diet. I don't know what my issue is. And I'm like, first of all, it's not you. That's what we need to understand. The issue is not with you. It's with what you're trying to do. Like I couldn't cut out carbs forever either. I, but I wouldn't call myself a failure. I'd realize that's not a realistic expectation to have. And so I think realizing, you know, helping them realize it's not you. It's these unrealistic diets, these unrealistic expectations that nobody really can meet. And I think what we see too with social media is like we see other people like quote unquote succeeding. We see other people like, well, they eat so healthy. They are losing the weight. But I saw, um, I just reposted actually the other day, a post from another dietitian that I really like. And he was talking about how they did some research on Instagram, like fitness influencers and found a lot of what they're posting is like not reality. Like you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, right? When I had my eating disorder, I was miserable. I was very unhealthy. I had low bone density. I, you know, was losing my hair. Like I was so unhealthy and so unhappy, but people looked at me and they were like, Oh my gosh, you're so healthy. You never eat treats. Good for you. You go to the gym every day. Good for you. You're losing weight. Good for you. And on the outside, it looked like, wow, you're healthy. You're so like, I'm so impressed. How do I be like you? But really I was so unhealthy and so happy, unhappy. And I think that's what we don't see. We don't see everything that's going on behind the scenes of these people that we look at and think like, wow, they're so healthy, but are they binging at night? They're not posting that on social media, right? So I think sometimes we don't realize that there's so much going on that we don't see. Oh, that's absolutely true. Like I was ringing my head, like you didn't see how many parties you missed out on or how many times you're spending yeah. alone because you don't allow yourself to go out because mm-hmm. you're afraid of the food or your body image is so bad that you just don't want to be seen or that, all that kind of stuff. There's not a life to live at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It's miserable. <laughs> I mean, that's part of why I do the podcast too, is to kind of get these things out in the open. Like it's uh, it's like the secret part of the eating disorder stuff that nobody really comes out and talks about, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, were you telling anybody about what you did on the weekends? No. Yeah. I wasn't telling people that I like binged an entire cake or that I was you know, like obsessively trying to work off what I ate for breakfast or, you know, it it was, it was embarrassing and it was miserable and people didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, for anyone listening, like I would imagine if you're in the throes of an eating disorder, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of secrecy. There's a lot of hiding. Um, That's normal, but you know, I would say you're only sick as your secret. So I'm not saying you have to go out and like share everything with the world, but you know, realize like if you are doing things that you feel like you can't share or you're ashamed of, or you feel like you have to hide, like that's a clue too, right? Yeah. hundred percent. I think, you know, so many people end up eating in secret, which was a big thing for me. I would like eat healthy, quote unquote healthy in front of everyone. And then after everyone went to bed, I was like binging the rest of the dessert or whatever, you know, and and realizing like if I can't eat in front of people and I'm too embarrassed to eat what I'm eating in front of people, that's a sign that like maybe there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I know we're getting close to time here, but I have one more question that I always hear come up. Yeah. Time and time again. that people 
do not eat breakfast. They have like coffee. And I'm like, yeah. like well, but why do I need to eat breakfast? What, what does it matter? And so can we just kind of address that, please? Because I, that keeps coming up year after year after year. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it can be for a couple of reasons, right? Sometimes people are doing the whole intermittent fasting thing, which like I said before, has so many negative effects on your hormones and your metabolism. Um, But the other thing that I find, even with people that aren't like fasting, but just are skipping breakfast, I've had so many clients that I've worked with that are just like, oh, I don't have the time or I'm in a hurry and I just don't. Um, And then they find themselves overeating later in the day. But then once they find that when I'm like, okay, well, let's work on, you know, creating a healthy breakfast routine. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but like, what can we do that you can take on the go with you? That's quick. That's easy. And once they start eating breakfast, they find all of a sudden that like, they're not overeating at night. They're not binging at night. Like they're actually feeling themselves all day. And so that small, simple thing of just starting to eat like a balanced, good breakfast actually changes the course of your, the rest of your day. So people say, I'm just not hungry. I don't get hungry till like noon. Like, yeah. yeah, I hear that all the time. And you train your body to do that, right? So once, like I have people that are like, oh, I, I'm just not hungry, so I don't eat. But once you start eating breakfast, and I'm like, okay, let's just try. Let's just try mm-hmm. eating a little something. And then your body gets used to that where then you do wake up and you are hungry. And that's a good thing. That's a sign that your body's like <laughs> now functioning more normally. You should be hungry in the morning. You haven't eaten for the last eight hours while you're sleeping, right? Like I always say with intermittent fasting, I intermittent fast. I don't eat while I'm sleeping for eight <laughs> hours a night. Like that's, yeah, I guess I do intermittent fast. So yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're not hungry, just starting with something and kind of realizing like those hunger cues will come back. That's a big part of healing your relationship with food is learning how to listen to your hunger cues again. Awesome. Thank you. I just, I, I just wanted to bring up things that I know yeah, all the time, like these myths out there, are these things that it's like, I keep wondering, like, why do people say these things over and over and over again? It's like this, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So rampant, right? And so, yeah, I just want to address these things that I know just are out there. So yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate all, all of your information. I know you have such great content and I know you're helping yes. a lot of people out there. Um, so many of people do want to work with you. Um, how can they find you? How can they find your content? Yeah. So I'm mostly on Instagram at dietitian.andy, A-N-D-I-E. And I'm always, I love talking to people and just hearing their stories. So feel free to message me anytime and chat. I also have um, a link in my bio that goes to my program application if people are interested in working with me. So you can always look at that. I have a program video on there where you can watch it and learn more about my program. So yeah. Fantastic. Well, Andy, I really appreciate all this information. I appreciate you having this conversation and being so open about like your own journey. Um, I know that's not easy either. So thank you. Uh, All right. Well, any last final words or just, I, I think the thing I always want people to understand is like, you're worth it and you're worth recovering. And I think sometimes people feel like they're a lost cause. And I just want everyone to know that you're not a lost cause. I felt like I was a lost cause and I felt like I was too far gone. And I just always want people to know that there's hope out there. Fantastic. Great message. Thank you for listening, everybody. Andy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.